Well, again, I want to welcome you to a man. You guys excited to be here or what? Man, it's so awesome. What a blessing. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and say, do I really get to do this? It's so much fun. It's such a blessing for me to help you and, to be, and just to be your pastor. And so if you're joining us uh, online for the, again for the first time, thanks for joining in. Franklin Campus, we welcome you. Banta Campus in Greenwood, uh, welcome back. Uh, so yeah, adulting, that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's kind of this concept that, hey, just because time goes by doesn't mean we mature, right? Time isn't the thing that matures us. It's not time. It's rather our, say with me, our choices that grow us up. And so we've been talking about some pretty difficult choices that people need to make in order to adult. There's not an epidemic of adulting going on in our country today. Have you noticed this? A lot of people getting older but not getting any more mature. And so we talked, we want about this choice that adults make to face reality, right? Reality is what you, what you bump into when you're wrong. That's, that's what Dallas Road puts it, I like that. Uh, and so we chose to, we, we said, hey, you gotta face reality. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta come to grips with what's really happening and stop living in denial, right? And then week number two, we talked about taking 100% responsibility for the conditioner of your life and stop blaming the past or blaming a person or blaming an event for your current condition. And so that was week number two, that was tough. Anybody else agree? That was tough stuff. It's hard to become an adult. And then week number three, last week, we talked about paying the price. Adults choose to pay the price, meaning that every single day they do hard things in order to mature and to grow up. And you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay, some of you are here. Comfortable being uncomfortable, right? You got to get out of your comfort zone if you want to grow and mature and become the person that God has created you to be. So today we're talking about the fourth choice. This is going to be fun. Next week we got, we got we have one more choice because uh, it takes a, lot, a while to adult. And so, but today we're going to talk about the fourth one and that is this. Adults choose to acquire, say it with me, wisdom. They choose to acquire wisdom. What is wisdom? We're going to get there in just a second, but let's talk about foolishness first. <laughs> Foolishness. A lot of foolishness in our world today. People are very foolish. Have you noticed? You watch the news? A lot of foolishness. You ever been, how many of you have been scammed before on Facebook? You have people calling, running scams. People are so crazy. They will just flat out try to scam you. I remember I got a message on Facebook. Not that I'm on Facebook, but came to my phone and this person said, hey, the government's got about $50,000 waiting for you. All you got to do is give me your account information. And it was a person that I knew. And I was like, oh, this might be legit. Like I asked my wife, I said, I think we might've made it. Like 50, <laughs> like you know what we could do with 50K? You know, it's like, and she's looking at me like, like that's a scam, so sure enough it was. You know? But I'm naive, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm probably an easy target. People just scamming people, lying to people. There's so much foolishness going on in our world today. People are getting addicted to drugs, alcohol. Right? There's, one, there's one county in, in Arkansas, rural Arkansas. I, I learned this on a Netflix special called The Meth Storm, if, 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 if you've seen that. One county in Arkansas, almost 100% of the, the people in that county are addicted to methamphetamines. That's coming from Mexico. This is coming right through, like just house after house after house after house. So they're dealing it, addicted to it. It's tearing apart the entire community. The police do not have the resources to arrest everybody who's dealing it. There's so much foolishness out there today in our world. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of younger people disrespecting authority. Have you noticed this? 
There's no respect for teachers, coaches, police officers, anybody in authority. Just disrespect for, for like when I was growing up, my dad told me, you know, we, we grew up in New York and Staten Island is part of New York City. And there's police officers everywhere. And my dad said, look, there's police officers everywhere. If one of them says anything to you about anything, you say, yes, sir, yes, officer. You stand still. You show them your hands. You don't, you don't do anything. You, you give total respect to the police officers. Okay, and I'm thinking that's fine because they got guns and they know how to use them and I don't have a gun, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you're the boss. So, you know, I grew up, that's the way I treated police officers and everything went fine, you know. And, and, but today in our world, it's unbelievable how young people treat police officers. Just, just, just disrespect and dis, dishonoring them and not listening to them. And, and then you have a th- people in authority positions who misuse their power, and that makes it even more difficult. And then that gets on social media and all this stuff. So people, it's hard to respect authority when authority is misusing their power. Foolishness everywhere. You, do you agree, yes or no, or is it just only me? Like, there's foolishness. P- Another thing I notice is people stealing stuff. It's like it's an epidemic. People taking stuff that does not belong to them. I saw a stat the other day that said, just in America, just in the United States, uh, theft costs the retailers $34 billion a year. And a lot of that theft is coming from the employees of their companies, taking stuff, stealing stuff. It didn't belong to them. There's 12 arrests every single day at Walmart in this country. Just every single day, there's 12 arrests. I saw something else that Walmart said. They said, we will no longer prosecute people who steal something for less than $25. Pair of socks, pair of a CD, you get caught, you, 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 you let go. Because it costs Walmart more money to prosecute you for stealing something that costs $16 than to just let you go. So they let you go. They give you a warning, of course. They say it doesn't, it's not worth our time. So you literally walk into Walmart, steal something, walk out, get caught, not get in trouble. They used to have a no tolerance policy. Come to find out that's the policy for all the major retailers. If it's $25 or less, they let you go. It's incredible how much of a problem theft is. Just foolishness everywhere you look. Foolish people cheating on their spouses. Just, just, you know, remember the whole Ashley Madison thing? It's like advertising. Hey, if you're not happy with your marriage, step out. It's like, I'm watching that commercial going, what? I'm like dying inside. How could this be? How have we gotten to this place where there's an advertisement on TV to cheat on your spouse? You won't get caught. Of course they got shut down. And of course you can't, you can't mess with that stuff. Right? You're going to get found out. Some, some, some scorned spouse is going to call and, and, and shut that. And that's what ended up happening, right? They got hacked. Foolishness. Everywhere you look, foolishness. People taking naked pictures of themselves. Anybody? It's incredible. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe that somebody would sit there, take their clothes off, and snap a photo and send it to their boyfriend or their girlfriend. I just can't, I can't even, I can't, I still can't believe it. I can't even believe I'm talking about this. That is a problem. That's, that's what people do. They send naked photos to each other. Yeah, it's a problem with 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds, but then you have U.S. senators doing it. It's like, <laughs> remember the guy from New York with the weird name, Anthony? It's like, you, t- you, you took a photo of yourself naked and you, I just, I scratch my head. I just, somebody, somebody, you might be thinking, man, you're such, you're a judgmental pastor. Yeah, I, that's stupid. Okay? That's dumb. Like, if you're dumb enough to take a, a naked photo of yourself and send it to somebody, you think it's not going to get out? I mean, you are, you're dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, is that, is that, is that fair? Somebody like, I'm not coming back to this church. It's, he's judgmental. I, I don't know what else to call it. I don't know what, I, what am I supposed to say? It's very, very foolish. There's foolishness everywhere. 
Just recently, I saw something on the news about kids uh, on 65 just throwing rocks off of an overpass onto oncoming cars. I saw something uh, the other day, uh, four teenagers in Toledo, Ohio, decided it would be fun to drop a sandbag off of an overpass. Dropped it right on a dude's car, 22-year-old guy, killed him. Four teenagers, three of them were 14, one of them was 13, one got charged with murder, the rest of them got charged with manslaughter. It was just everywhere you look, it's like you turn the news and go, oh my gosh, it's foolishness everywhere. Now, I I am sounding a little bit judgmental, but, but I'm a fool. I've been a fool. Anybody else been a fool? I've been a big fool. Because <laughs> foolishness is something that we are born with. No one gets, no one gets around this baby. <laughs> this, this thing called foolishness. Solomon wrote to his son in Proverbs 22, and he, this is what he said. He said, son, you got you to understand. Here, here's the deal. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Like we all come into the world incredibly Foolish. The inability to make wise choices. This word bound in Hebrew, it means to be tied together. It's like you have the heart of a child and you have foolishness. They come together and you got a rope that's roped, that ties it together. And so essentially what the job of a parent is, is to untie or unbound the foolishness in the child's heart. And, or, and if you can't untie it, you, you beat it out of them. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Now somebody's like, I'm really not coming back to this church. He beats his kids. Just joking, just joking, okay? But, but the job of the parent is to get that foolishness out of the child's heart. And if, and, and if the child, if the parent is unsuccessful, that child goes to school with that foolishness. Then that child goes to college with the foolishness and the teachers and the professors got to deal with it. Then that, maybe if they don't go to college, they go into the workforce and now the boss has got to deal with the foolishness that the parent was unable to untie in the child's heart, Right? You got all, now you have foolish adults and 20-somethings and 30-somethings because it was never able to be eradicated or unbound in the child's heart. Solomon's talking to his son. He's saying, son, I got I to get the foolishness out of you. So if you haven't read the book of Proverbs, which I hope you have, I hope you do. I hope you continually look at it. It's 31 chapters right in the center of the Bible. Solomon is saying to his son all throughout Proverbs, hey, here's the motivation to, to get rid of the foolishness in your life. Foolishness always ends in pain. It always ends in pain. So, son, if you do this sexually, there's going to be pain. Son, if you do this financially, there's going to be pain. Son, if you become friends with an angry person, there's going to be pain. If you become friends with a foolish person, there's going to be pain. You go ahead and read it yourself. He addresses all of those issues, friendship, sexuality, money, and, and he always associates bad choices with severe pain. And if we passed a microphone today, wouldn't you be able to tell a story of severe pain connected to foolish choices? Yes or no? We'd be here all day, wouldn't we? <laughs> we like, oh, that's a good one. Well, I've got a better one, <laughs> right? I remember when I was in my 20s, uh, early on, maybe, maybe 24, uh, Jackie and I were the youth pastors here. I was the youth pastor. She was the, the co-youth pastor or whatever. And uh, I went to this seminar where Zig Ziglar was speaking, and it was a, it was a personal uh, you know, development seminar. And I was excited to hear Zig speak because he was in his 80s, and I knew he wouldn't be around very long. So I went there, heard him talk, but there were some other speakers there. One particular speaker was talking about finances, and he had a product he was selling. And he, did, he gave such a great talk that day, and he presented this, this product, and he said, look, here's the deal. If, if you buy when it's green and you sell when it's red, you'll make money in the stock market. Man, I'm sitting there going, this is it. Like, this is my chance. We are going to be rich. And my, I went with a bunch of friends, so we're all sitting there, and I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, I can't believe this is such a great opportunity. 
So finally, the guy gets done with his talk, and now it's time to close the deal. And he's like, well, the tier one is $1,000, tier two is $2,000, tier three is $3,000, and tier four, where you get all of the bells and whistles, is $4,000. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm an all-in kind of guy. So I'm like, look, go big or go home, right? So sign me up for the $4,000 version. Like, I want to be rich. You understand what I'm saying? I'm 25 years old, got big dreams in my eyes. You know, so I sign up for it, take it home. You know, we're supposed to get this coaching and you know, practice, all this stuff. And push comes to shove, Jackie and I, we don't make a dime. And when I say not a dime, I don't think, I'm saying we didn't make a penny on this deal. We wrote a check for $4,000 and got nothing in return. Now, when I was 20-something years old, that was like $20,000 to us. It was like all we, almost all we had, wasn't it? Now, thinking back on that situation, I remember sitting there in that front row or wherever we were and in that moment, none of my friends decided to sign up. They were a little bit older than I was. And in that time, I thought to myself, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm going to be rich. You guys are going to be poor. I'm going to be rich. And, and then, I, then I looked back on it a couple months later. I thought, oh, my gosh, who's the idiot? <laughs> they knew something I didn't know. They knew it, was a, it wasn't as easy as the guy made it sound. You actually had to know how to tr buy and trade stocks, and I didn't know how to do that. It cost me $4,000. Pain! Listen, don't judge me because you got a story that ends in pain, do you not? I mean, again, we could go around in the circle. The choices you made, relationships you shouldn't have been in, businesses you shouldn't have gotten involved with. In. We all got stories. It always ends in pain. Listen to what Solomon said to his son in Proverbs 19. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. That's what it says. That's what happens. And then, because they don't like to face reality and they don't like to take ownership, you and I, guess who we blame? We end up blaming the Lord. Then they're angry with the Lord. Or they blame other people. Because we don't like to say, man, it's my fault. I'm the stupid one. I'm the foolish person. You see how that works? And then if we, if, if we let foolishness kind of develop even more and more in our lives and we don't deal with it, we don't get it out, it can end up causing us pain for eternity because the ultimate fool says in his heart there is no God look at Psalm 14 verse 1 the fool says in his heart there's no God I don't care about God I don't even I don't even think God exists the person who decides there is no God is in danger of paying the penalty forever eternal separation from God so it's not just pain in this life it's pain in the afterlife and so Solomon's trying to tell his son don't 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 it's always pain related to foolishness you have to acquire wisdom. So what is wisdom? What is it? That's what we have to talk about. What is it? Before we talk about how we can acquire it, what is wisdom? I think wisdom gets confused with knowledge. I, I, in fact, I know it does. Knowledge is inf has to do with information. Knowledge has to do with knowing about something, like knowing how a car engine works or, or knowing how electricity works or knowing what happened in World War II and be able to teach a course on it. That, that's, a, that's knowledge. That's about information. A lot of people think that when someone has a lot of information that they're wise, but that's not true. That, having a lot of information about something and being able to teach a course on it makes that person smart, but it doesn't make them wise. Anybody know a smart person that's not very wise? Come on, come on. Yeah, there's a big difference between having a bunch of knowledge about a subject and be able to teach a course on it and having not and having wisdom wisdom has to do with action wisdom has to do with behavior it's very different from 
from knowledge. In fact, some of you know a lot of people, people who have a lot of knowledge about, their, about the Bible, but, but in their life, their, their relationships are broken down, right? They're filled with anxiety and fear, and, but they've got all this knowledge about the Bible. See, one doesn't equal the other. Some of you know people who have a lot of knowledge about relationships and, and how to do a great relationship. You need to forgive, you need to spend time together. You need to be patient and kind and treat others as you wish to be treated. They can quote the golden rule, but then their relationships are in shambles. Or some of you know people that know a lot about finances and the Dave Ramsey seven steps to, to, to financial freedom and you gotta get, cut up the credit cards and get out of debt and save 15%. You gotta pay your debt, all this stuff. You gotta do it. But, it, but their finances are in shambles. See, one has to do with knowledge and the other one has to do with wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is when you know the seven baby steps and you put them in the place. Wisdom is when you know how to have a great marriage and you do those things to create the great marriage. Wisdom is when you know that if you eat less calories than you burn and you get on that treadmill and you eat lots of vegetables, that's when, it's when you know that and then you take it home and you start to do it. That, folks, is wisdom. King Solomon, when he took over for his father David as the king of Israel, God came to him and said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. I mean, it's unbelievable. God literally comes to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 and says, anything you want, I will give it to you. You know what Solomon says? Solomon says, I've never been a king of Israel before. I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty much what he says. I've never been a king before. I don't know how to rule. I don't know how to govern. I feel like a little child. So here's what I want from you, God. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart. Give me wisdom so that I can govern. That's a verb. That's an action. Your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who, he says, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? I don't know how to do it. He's talking about action. So God, I need you to give me a, a discerning heart to know how to build up a strong military, defend the nation, get, get the economy and the nation going, get everybody to follow the rules and regulations of the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible, God, I need a discerning heart so that I can go govern and lead these people. Do you see how wisdom has to do with behavior, yes or no? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's not about knowing, it's about doing. And Solomon's talking to his son, he's saying, son, that's what you need, you need wisdom. It's the number one thing, Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. He says this, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the number one thing. Dads, moms, pay attention. The number one thing you wanna pass on to your children is wisdom. What is wisdom? It's the application of knowledge. He says to his son, son, listen, pay attention, come on. Wisdom is the most important thing. It's the principal thing, number one. Therefore, I want you to go get it. I want you to go acquire it. I want you to accumulate wisdom as your days go by. And as you're getting everything else, I want you to get understanding. See, son, here's what he's saying. He's sitting his son down and he's saying, son, you're gonna get a lot of things. You're gonna go after a job. You're gonna go after a wife. You're gonna go after a career. You're gonna get this. You're gonna get that. You're gonna wanna get stuff. But as you're getting this and that and this and that, make sure that you get a discerning heart. Make sure that you get understanding because it's the number one thing in your life. If you don't get it, son, you'll destroy yourself. So how do we get it? How do we acquire wisdom? Isn't that the question? Isn't that what you're sitting on the edge of your seats with your pen going, come on, tell me, tell me, tell me. See, I dream about stuff like that. <laughs> how do we get wisdom? Well, here, here, here's how we get it. We acquire wisdom by seeking it. You and I acquire wisdom by, by seeking it. It doesn't just come to us. 
Richard Davis, who's a PhD, wrote a book on leadership called The Intangibles of Leadership. He says this, and this is what we've been saying in this series. He says, wisdom doesn't just fall into your lap after you've been on the planet for a certain number of days. Haven't we been saying that? Like, you don't mature just because a decade went by. Like, you don't get wisdom just because two decades went by. It doesn't work that way. I dare say we can all give plenty of examples of people who know, we know, who have been around the heck of a long time. Watch this. And don't seem to have learned much about anything at all. Anybody sitting next to somebody like that today? <laughs> Anybody know somebody that, like that at home right now? Like they've been around this long time and they haven't seemed to learn much of anything at all. We don't acquire wisdom because time went by. We don't even acquire wisdom because we've gone through certain experiences. Some people think that, oh, they've been through so much, they must be wise. Not true. Not true. How many people do you know that are on their third divorce? Hello. <laughs> It's like, wait a second, you got divorced once, you got divorced twice. You haven't figured this thing out yet? How many of you know if somebody's been on their second bankruptcy, right? Their, their fourth time in rehab, right? This is, this, is, this is how it works. Like, just because you went through rehab the first time doesn't mean that you're, you've learned and you're like, oh my gosh, I had this experience. I'm, I'm wiser now. Now I don't touch drugs. No, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. But a lot of times it's three times, four times, five times. Wisdom doesn't come to us because we've had an experience or because time passed. It comes to us because we seek it. And this is what Solomon is telling his son in, in Proverbs chapter 8. Listen to what he says. He says, son, here's the deal with wisdom. Does it not call out? Does not wisdom call? Like, what, with some, like a, someone on the corner with a megaphone? Here I am. Here I am. Come get me. My name is wisdom. Come all who want it. Does not understanding raise her voice? The answer, here's what Solomon is saying. Son, wisdom is not this secret thing. It's not hidden. It's out there. Like all you have to do is look around at nature and look around at certain people. Look, you've got, the, you've got the scriptures. You've got what our father, or your grandfather David wrote. You've got Moses. You've got wisdom is everywhere. It's not hidden. If you want it, you can find it. And by the way, he refers to wisdom as a female. Gentlemen, pay attention. Did you notice that? Some of you need to listen to your wives a little bit more. Come on, sisters. Give me an amen. Talk to me. There we go. There we go. Love you, honey. I listen. I do. See, it's out there. It's, it's not hidden. And so listen to what Solomon tells his son in verse 17. He, he refers to wisdom as, as a person. I love those who love me. Who does? Wisdom. Wisdom loves those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. Like, son, if you really want wisdom, you can go get her. If you're willing to seek her with all of your heart diligently. How many of you have ever misplaced your cell phone or your keys? Right? Don't you call a timeout and you're like, wait a second. Not, don't move a finger until I find that phone, until I find those keys. Why? Because you know you can't go through your day without that phone, without those keys. You diligently seek them until you find them. And then listen to what Solomon says when you find them. Whoever finds me, finds, say it with me, life. Not just physical life, because people who are in jail have physical life. Foolish people have physical life. People on death row have physical life. Solomon's not saying you'll find physical life. He's saying you will find the life that God created you to live. A life of peace and joy, a life of meaning and purpose, a life of significance, a life where you know your value because you know God has created you as his child, right? A life of strength, a life where you can forgive those who've hurt you and wounded you. 
A life where you can overcome the temptations of life. The life that God created you. Jesus called it abundant life. He says whoever finds wisdom finds life the way it was created to be lived and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I want God's favor. I don't want him working against me, you know. It's like, you know, uh, who, who would want a big giant sumo wrestler like lined up against them like this, right? I wouldn't want, you ever see sumo wrestlers like there's, you know, three, four hundred pounds? I don't want that. Well, if I don't want a sumo wrestler sit up against me, I, I, how much more would I want God going like this? Okay, Danny, let's go. No, sir. No, sir. I don't want you working against me. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want you pushing back on me. I want your favor. I want God saying, let me get behind this poor guy. He needs a lot of help. <laughs> Let me bless him. Let me make a way for him. Let me open up some doors for him. Let me open up some opportunities for him because he's trying. I mean, he's trying. That's what I want. How about you? Yes or no? Wisdom. Wisdom. Find Whoever finds me finds life, finds favor from the Lord. On the opposite end, remember, father to son here. Son, pay attention. Listen up. Come on. Some of you are sons. Listen up. This is a father talking to you. But whoever fails to find wisdom injures himself. Foolishness always ends in Pain, one more time, foolishness always ends in pain. You gotta get this. Son, if you fail to find me, you're gonna hurt yourself. You're gonna hurt your mom and me too, and your friends, but you're gonna hurt yourself. Whoever fails to find me and hates me loves death. Whoa, listen to this language. Proverbs 14, verse 25, Solomon says to his son, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Physical death, perhaps. Suicide, perhaps, probably more likely, death to your reputation, death to your character, death to your marriage. Foolishness always ends in pain. Death to your finances, huge amounts of stress because you've spent and you've spent foolish choice after foolish choice. Death everywhere. Now, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I don't ask for death. I don't pray, Lord, Jesus, help me find some death today. I say, help me find some life. Well, if I want life, Jesus would say to me, and he would say to you, seek wisdom, seek it diligently, and you'll find life. We seek it. Okay, so how do we seek it? Three things, three things in your notes. Number one, this is how we seek wisdom. We ask for it. We ask God. Very simple. I mean, he's our heavenly father, right? Your kids know how to ask for stuff. We're his kids. We need to ask for it. Listen to James. James, the brother of Jesus, says it very simply. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should, say it with me, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and will, and it will be given to you. It's like, God says, here's how I set things up. You need wisdom for relationships, for finances, for your sexuality, whatever. You seek wisdom. I'll give it to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Solomon says it this way to his son. Trust in the Lord, son, with all of your heart. Do not lean in your understanding. In all your ways... Finances, sexuality, relationships, your job, in all your ways, acknowledge me. What does that mean? It means, God, do you see this? I'm about to, what do you think? I'm about to make this choice. What do you think? Is this the right call? What do you think? Give me wisdom. In all your ways, acknowledge me. And guess what happens? He will make straight your paths. What does that mean? He'll show you where to go. Go left, go right. Nope, don't go that. Don't start that business. Don't marry that person. Don't date that person. Don't make that purchase. He will make your path straight. Wisdom, ask for it. That's number one. Number two, you have to create space to reflect and evaluate. So many people go through this life and they don't call a timeout to say, whoa, what was I supposed to learn from that? (laughs) 
Time passes, they go through experiences, and they make no time to reflect and evaluate on what happened. Therefore, they do not grow in wisdom. Listen to what David said in Psalm 119, verse 59. I pondered, I thought about, I reflected on the direction of my life, and then I did something. I turned. I turned. I changed the direction of my life back to your ways, back to your laws. This is the magic right here. This is the sauce, the secret sauce to wisdom, okay? It's, it's creating space in your life to reflect and evaluate on the experiences you just had. The experience with a, with, a, with, a, with a job, the experience with a particular person you were dating, the, the experience that you went through financially with the purchases that you made. You go, okay, wait a second, I gotta, I'm going to ponder what just happened, and then I'm going to ask a couple of questions. What kind of questions? Let me show you a few. God, what, am I supposed to, what was I supposed to learn from this? Like, what truth do you want me to learn from this? What was I supposed to hear going through that experience that was painful and difficult, that loss or that job that I lost or whatever the situation was, that difficult conversation I had with my son, my daughter, my spouse? What was I supposed to learn from it? Let me give you another one. What, what will I never do again because I experienced this? What a good question. This is, all this is is reflection and evaluation. Many, many years ago, when Jackie and I were first married, we we're still living in Lynchburg. We were in our first year of marriage. We had a fight. It was, I can't remember what it was about. She probably could, because that's how it works, right? <clears throat> so I get mad, and I don't, know how to ha- I don't know how to do marriage. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to solve problems. So I do what I, a normal guy would do. I get mad, and I storm out of the apartment, and I slam the door, right? That's how it was in my house. Like, the loudest person won the argument. <laughs> the most flamboyant person won the argument. And that's how, not how it was in Jackie's home. Her dad's all chill and calm, and, you know, three girls. We had three boys, very, very different upbringing. And so I go, I go over to Liberty University's campus and I just kind of walk around, just, just calm down and blow. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go back and about an hour later and I walk in and she's just like, just, just crushed, just crying, defeated. I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And we just, had a, we just had a little argument. She said to me, I thought you left me. And I was like, wow. Wait, you like left you? Like left you, left you? Like divorce left you? Yeah. It's like, no, we just had a fight. I just went for a walk. I'm not leaving. And she asked me, she said, would you never do that again when we have a fight? And so that night, that night I committed to her. I said, when we have a fight, I will never do that again. I will stay in the room. Did I not say that? I will stay in the room and I'll work through the issue until we can have some peace. But I won't walk out and I won't slam the door. And I've not done that in 18 years. Who knows, if I would have kept doing that, that pattern, I, I probably wouldn't be your pastor today. What do you think? Just a hunch. I might be divorced. How about maybe twice? I don't know. <laughs> like, see, see, because that, that's my personality. Get loud and do something flamboyant. Slam a door, yell at somebody. I don't know. I can't do that. You can't do that in relationships. It does not work, right? So you have to create space to evaluate and reflect. Now, what, what would I never do again? Let me give you another great question. What would I do differently in the future having gone through this? Like, what should I have said? What shouldn't I have said? What will I not do? What will I do? Like, what will I do differently? Here's what wisdom is, really. When, when it comes to this whole idea of reflecting and evaluating, wisdom is, is, is doing things differently based on a conscious re- reflection or evaluation of an experience. That's what wisdom is. It's doing things differently. Financially, doing things differently, having gone through that bankruptcy. You know, relationally, doing things different, having gone through that divorce and because of all the selfishness in your heart. I'm not going to be so selfish next time. That's what wisdom is, right? It has to do with behavior, not knowledge and not experience. 
We gotta create space for evaluation and reflection. Let me give you this third one. We get number three. We gotta ask people for feedback. We gotta ask feedback from wiser people. We gotta seek feedback from wiser people. Here, here, here's why. Because you cannot see it all. I cannot see it all. We could do a self-evaluation. That's great, awesome. Number two, I love that. But even when I self-evaluate, I cannot see everything I need to see, the lessons I need to learn, the things I need to stop doing, the things I need to start doing. I, I might have a clue, but I, I don't see it all. Listen to what Solomon tells his son in Proverbs 1.5. Let the wise hear and increase in their learning. How do you increase in your learning? How do you increase in wisdom? You have to hear. Well, how do you hear? You have to ask. Hey, what do you think about this situation? I just went through this divorce. I just went through this bankruptcy. I just went through this difficult job situation. What do you think about how, what should I do differently? What should I, what should I do next time? What should I stop doing? Here's my plan. What do you think about it? And the one who understands, obtains, say it with me, guidance. See, we got this backwards in our culture. We think that the wise people don't need to ask any questions because they're wise. Why? They, they must know everything. No, no, no. It's actually, biblically, it's the opposite. The wise people are the people who say, I don't really know it all. So what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What do you think? And then they listen and then they hear and they obtain the guidance. And that's why they increase their wisdom because they're seeking it out. Are you with me? Yes or no? This is powerful stuff. I love what Andy Stanley said in his book, Next Generation Leader. Self-evaluation is helpful. That's number two. We just talked about but evaluation from someone else is essential. He says this, you need a leadership coach because coaching enables you to go further faster. Why can you go further faster? Why do you adult further? Why do you adult faster when you have feedback? Because people can see what you don't see. They just, they're just able to say, hey bud, here's what, here's what God's trying to teach you here. <laughs> Come on. I'm surprised you didn't see that. Come on, it's, it's simple. Here, here, next time, here's what you need to say in that situation. Next time, here's what you need to not do, having gone through that scenario. Somebody else's eyeballs on the situation makes you wiser. So what are we doing? We're asking God. We're creating space for evaluation and reflection. And we're seeking feedback from a wiser person, right? Be very careful who you ask. The person's got to be wiser than you. Why? Why? Why is Solomon giving his son all this instruction? Because he knows that foolishness always ends in pain. He was trying to help his son avoid the pain in this life and in the next life. So here's my closing question to you, ready? Will you choose to acquire wisdom? Because it's a choice. Adults choose to acquire wisdom. They seek it, they ask, they reflect, they evaluate, they seek feedback. Will you do it? Or are you gonna just like, kind of go back to your life? Like, you know, that was great. We went to church today, <laughs> you know, see you next week, bring a friend, you know. Or are you gonna say, man, I, this week I am seeking wisdom. I'm gonna pay the price. I'm gonna take 100% ownership of my life. I'm gonna face reality. I am going to adult. That's, what, that's my hope, that's my prayer. That's what I pray for you. That's what I pray for me, that you will take action. Now let me tell you about the wisest decision that I've ever made and the wisest decision that you could ever make and that is to choose Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, the Apostle Paul writes it this way. But to those who are called by God to salvation, that means to be delivered from the penalty of sin and shame and guilt, to start a relationship with God, to be saved. But to those of us who are called to salvation, I believe that's everyone watching, everyone in the room. I believe that's every man, woman, and child in the world, both Jews and Gentiles. Here's the message from Paul. Christ is the power of God, and he is the wisdom of God. 
Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Like he is wisdom personified. Like it is who he is. It is his character. It is his essence. The most powerful, wisest decision you could ever make is to put your life in the hands of Jesus Christ. For this life now, for abundant life now, and for eternal life when you die. Some of you need to do that. You've been waiting, you've been putting it off, you've been delaying, maybe when you get older, maybe when you have more answers. No, 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 no. The wisest choice you could ever make right now is to put your life in the hands of Jesus Christ and trust him. He died on the cross for your sins. He took his life back from the grave. He rose again to wipe away the guilt, to wipe away the penalty of sin for you. Be smart, be wise, trust him for eternal life. Why would you wait? Why would you put it off? Don't. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer where you simply step into salvation. It's a prayer that you simply put your faith in Christ and you enter into a life of wisdom. You connect your life with the source of wisdom, the essence of wisdom, that's Jesus Christ himself. Will you do that today? I hope you will. I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Step into wisdom right now. Step into a relationship with Christ right now. Will you pray with me? Just say this to him. Jesus, you are wisdom. And right now I, 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 I trust you. I don't have all the answers. In fact, I still have questions. But in this moment, I choose wisdom. I choose you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to pay the penalty of my sin, to wash away the guilt, the shame, and to make me a new person. Cleanse me, wash me, and make me your child right now by faith. And teach me from this day forward to follow you, the path of wisdom, joy, peace, purity, courage, kindness, patience, love. I choose to follow you today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, first of all, we want to celebrate with you, don't we, guys? Come on, raise it high. Come on, raise it high, guys. Nice and loud. Amen. The wisest decision you could ever make in your life is trust in Christ. Somebody came up to me not long after I put my faith in Christ. His name was Byron Seashore. I was about 17 years old. He said, Danny, I'm so excited for you that you put your faith in Christ. Now what you need to do is begin taking up the word of God and reading it every day and memorizing key passages. It will guide you. He, he said this to me, he said, the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. In other words, it shows you how to go through this life. It shines the way for you, the right way for you. So I'm gonna give you that same advice that Byron gave me. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna tell you to pick, if you just prayed that prayer, pick up one of these New Believer Bibles. They're in the back of the auditorium, whatever campus you're at. If you're online and you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, check the box there. There's a little box you can check, I trusted Christ. Put your address, we'll send one of these to you in the mail. Grab it, take hold of it. Begin reading it every day. I do it every single day. Did it again this morning. Just taking God's word into my life, into my mind, into my heart guiding me and directing me. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. One more time, guys. Can we give God glory for what he's doing today?
Amen.